I'll be reading our passage this morning, which can be found in Genesis chapter 2, starting with verse 4. And if you're using your pew Bible, it's on page 2. Genesis chapter 2, verse 4. This is the account of the heavens and the earth when they were created, when the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. Now no shrub had yet appeared on the earth, and no plant had yet sprung up, for the Lord God had not sent rain on the earth, and there was no one to work the ground. But the streams came up from the earth and watered the whole surface of the ground. Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east, in Eden, and there he put the man he had formed. The Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden were the trees of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. A river watering the garden flowed from Eden. From there, it was separated into four headwaters. The name of the first is Pishon. It winds through the entire land of Havilah, where there is gold. The gold of, the land, of that land is good. Aromatic resin and oxen are also there. The name of the second river is the Gihon. It winds through the entire land of Cush. The name of the third river is the Tigris. It runs along the east side of Asher. And the fourth river is the Euphrates. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. The Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the wild animals and all the birds in the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. So the man gave names to all the living life, to all the livestock and the birds in the sky and all the wild animals. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought it to her. He brought her to the man. The man said, This is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. That is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife and they become one flesh. This is the word of the Lord.
Good morning. Let's pray as we start our time together. Thank you, Father, for making yourself known to us and showing us the way of salvation through faith in your Son. Teach us through your word and equip us for every work. For the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, the movie hit of 2023 was the Barbie movie, the story of the infamous fashion doll. The movie was huge, the highest grossing movie of 2024. Did anyone see it? Oh, a few hands, or maybe people are too embarrassed to put their hands up. I did. I was not allowed to have a Barbie when I was a kid, but my mum decided that we could see the film, and... <laughs> I really enjoyed it. And it was kind of fun to imagine the world of Barbie, all the pinkness, pink houses, and lots of Barbies and Kens who make up Barbie land. And it also has been a movie with great controversy, with discussions about gender and feminism and masculinity. But it also had another theme, focusing on what it meant to be a human. Barbie has the opportunity to meet her maker face to face and has questions about what does it mean to be real, to be human, and to have purpose beyond just being stereotypical Barbie. And the theme was picked up in a song by Billie Eilish in a song that she wrote for the Barbie movie. She wrote the song firstly about the Barbie doll, but as she stepped back from it, she realised that it was also a song about herself and her own quest for meaning. So let's have a little listen. beautiful song. Uh, she has a, just a breathtaking voice and you might like to go home and Google her or get your kids or grandkids to Google it for you. But she asks one of the most essential questions for us, one that I think lots of people in our community and within this building have, what was I made for? What, what are we made for? And interestingly, it's exactly the same question that is answered in Genesis 2. What are human beings made for? And what is their purpose? And so today we're going to dig into Genesis 2 to look at that question, what are we made for? To think about what our purpose is as dependent creatures and our value as contributing workers. So I thought we'd take some time to work through the account in Genesis 2. It's an incredible story. 
Last week, we looked at the big cosmic picture of Genesis 1, a story of the creation of the whole universe, of the cosmos, dark and light, night and day, land and sky, and then all the filling of the spheres with plants, with stars, with animals, and finally with mankind, with human beings, male and female. But this week we focus in, we focus in on a garden in the east and zoom in on a much more localised account of creation. It's still contained within that big picture of chapter one, but it's much more specific and it has a different focus. It focuses front and centre on human beings and how they fit into God's world. So it starts, this is an account of the heavens and the earth when they were created, when the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. Now no shrub had yet appeared on the earth and no plant had yet sprung up. For the Lord God had not sent rain on the earth and there was no one to work the ground. But streams came up from the earth and watered the whole surface of the ground. We start with that big picture of creation and then zoom in right to the earth. And then on it we encounter this watery, steamy, misty place with no plants, no trees, no vegetations. It's an empty space waiting to be filled. And then God creates. Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. The man is formed from the dust of the ground, and God's breath animates him and brings him to life. It's actually a very intimate picture of God creating and then leaning in to give the breath of life, to blow into the nostrils of the man, and life begins. The man, who is called Adam, which is just really the Hebrew word for man, is taken out of the earth, which is just the Hebrew word for Adama. The, the, and so we have the first earthling, the first to live on the earth and the first to be made of earth, to be made from dust. And the man is placed in the east, in the Garden of Eden, which is another Hebrew word that just means delight, a place of abundance and blessing. Now the Lord God planted a garden in the east, in Eden, and there he put the man that he had formed. The Lord God made all kinds of trees that grew out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. God fills the garden an abundance of plants and shrubs and vegetables and trees that give fruit. Eden is a place of delight, of blessing and goodness. And God is an incredible creator. He does not just create a garden that is productive, that provides food, but also one that is beautiful. A garden that is sustaining, but also wonderful to look at. What a creator that we have. Even in his act of creation, God goes above and beyond, making things for humans to delight in, not just providing basics, 
the stuff that we need, but things for the person, for people to enjoy that bring pleasure. But Eden's not a fairy tale world, it's not a magical place, it's real world. And the man has a job to do. He doesn't simply exist to enjoy things, but instead to be productive and to play his part as God's representative in the world. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to care it, care for it. The earthling, God's image bearer, has a job to do. He's to work in the garden, to plant, to harvest, to trim off branches and to care for it and to produce food to live on. He's not to be idle. It's not a tropical resort where he gets to lie in a hammock all day drinking cocktails. It's a place where he can work under God's sovereign rule and produce all that he needs to survive and also to care for the creation that God has gifted to him. And it echoes the commission that God has given humanity in chapter one of Genesis to the man and woman as they bear the image of their creator. It says in chapter one, verse 28, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it, rule over the fish of the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves along the ground. The man has a job and a purpose as he lives in the world. But there is also one further commandment. The Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat of it, you will certainly die. Everything is available to the man. He is free to eat from all of the trees, to enjoy the abundance of the garden. But there is just one warning, to not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for it will bring back, it will bring in death. It's firstly a command to just enjoy the good things that are produced in the garden, to roam freely amongst the trees, to explore, to taste, to enjoy all of its produce. But is a freedom that comes with a boundary, to not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But more on that next week. And then we are introduced to a problem. The Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make a suitable helper for him. For the first time in the creation accounts, something is not good. Genesis 1 is filled with God calling things good. It is a common refrain. God saw that all that he had made, and it was very good, there was morning and evening, the sixth day. That echoes through Genesis 1. But here in Genesis 2, we have something that is not good. The man is alone and a helper or a companion is needed for creation is not complete. Now human beings are made for relationship and, with God, and relationship with God and with each other. We know that from Genesis 1. And the man is alone 
and unable to feel the commission that God has given humans in chapter 1 to be fruitful, to increase in number, and to fill the earth and subdue it. Now, this is a little bit of a tricky section of scripture, and as I've talked to people across the, the week, and particularly for women in the room, it can sometimes be difficult to be thought of as a helper. But the word helper here in Genesis 2 has more of the sense of a companion, someone who can work alongside the man. And interestingly, God himself is called a helper of Israel throughout the Old Testament scriptures. Now, what is imagined here is an alongside companion, someone who can be alongside the man to rule the earth, to work in it, and to fill it. And when the helper comes, the man will no longer be alone and will be able to complete the purpose that God has set him. And so a helper needs to be found. And where does God go and the, head, God and the man head first? Well, not quite where we expect them to go. Instead, the Lord God had formed out of the ground all of the wild animals and all the birds of the sky, and he brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. So the man gave names to all the livestock, to the birds in the sky, and all the wild animals. We have an incredible scene. Just imagine it. I'd love to have been there. All of the creatures formed and shaped out of the ground by a creative God. Wild animals, creatures that creep, and all the birds of the sky. And the man gets to name them. They are paraded before him. Giraffe, Tarsia, Platypus, another wonderful moment of God creating in abundance, immense diversity, all the creatures in their vast array. And man, the one in the image of God, gets to name them as he fulfills the purpose of caring for creation. But amongst the animals, no suitable companion is found. These creatures are other. They're different from the man. They can't help. And God creates again to perfectly complete his creation. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. So the Lord God created the, uh, sorry, caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then closed up the place of flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. The first surgery, Adam sleeps, and God takes out a rib and creates the woman, the companion, the helper. She has been made, male and female, he created them, and together they make up humanity. And the man delights in this meeting. The man said, this is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. And the man moves from aloneness, from solitude, to greeting, to joyful recognition of someone who is like him, different, but the same, and with a unique relationship, 
unlike any other creature in all of creation. It is a recognition of sameness and closeness, the way they are connected to each other, made of the very same stuff, but also separate and independent. And together they make complete humanity and bear the image of God. So we return to our first question. What are we made for? What is God's purpose for humanity? And how as humans can we align ourselves with God's purposes? For if God is our creator, how do we live within the maker's instructions? Well, has ever, anyone ever been lilowing down a river? Uh, it's a pretty exciting and fun activity. I remember lilowing down a river near Bundina, following the current as the river headed down towards a larger river and then ultimately to the sea. It was wonderful to be lifted along and carried along the river with little or no effort. I just had to hang on. But if you tried to lilo back up the river or across the river, it was really hard work. At times, it was impossible because the river was designed to carry you down the river, not up it. And so it is for us living in God's world, the one he created. We need to live with the grain of the universe, to live the way that God intended us to. And in Genesis 2, there's lots of applications about how we can live with the purposes of God, but I've chosen just two for this morning. How we live as dependent creatures and how we're valued as contributing workers. So firstly, we need to live as dependent creatures. Our existence is entirely dependent on God. He is the giver of life and he sustains life, firstly in the garden, but then throughout history. He is the one who breathes life into the man and who forms the woman from the rib and gives life to all living creatures. Every breath we take, every piece of food we eat, every sip of water comes from the God who creates all things. And in the garden, that felt kind of obvious that everything came from God. It was freshly made. But for us, it is equally true. We might have Woolworths and Sydney water and a medical system that has a tendency to make God's provision for us a little less obvious but it is still equally true. By God's will, you were created and have your being. It is God who gives and sustains your life. He provides the breath in your lungs and everything else that we need. And our response is to live in dependence on him, in praise and thankfulness. In the book of Revelation, the last book in the Bible, as we look at the new heavens and the new earth, then all the creatures are gathered around the throne. And this is what they praise God for. You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honour and power, for you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. That is what we praise God for. We are taught that we're autonomous, that we control our destiny, 
that everything is within our power and strength. And often we live like we're trying to swim up the river on a lilo. But instead we exist because God made us. And to live aligned with our creator is to live in thankful dependence on him. Our Renew course starts tomorrow night and that's an awesome opportunity for you to find out more about the creator and also to learn about Jesus who lived in complete dependence on God and aligned with his purposes. Well, secondly, we are contributing workers working in the world that God created. When God created, he created us with a purpose, with a job to do, to work in the garden and to care for it. Man, humanity, is not created to lie in a hammock, but instead to be people who contribute to the keeping of the garden, to till the earth, to plant crops, to prune, and to keep hedges under control. And so to live in alignment with God's purpose is to be a person who works and contributes to the world, and through that work to bring care to the world and the people who live in it. And when we talk about work, we don't just mean the stuff you get paid for. Work is all the different ways that we contribute to our world, to our families and to our community. For some of us, that is paid work. For some, it is caring for children or working in the, in the home. For some, caring for family or aging parents. For some, volunteering or serving in the community. Work is valuable and significant in the purposes of God, and it's built into the very creation. I've got a quote here from Martin Luther, a key leader in the Reformation in the 1500s, who was speaking into a culture that devalued work. He says, God himself will milk the cows through him whose vocation that is, he who engages in the lowliness of his work performs God's work, be he lad or king. Care for one's office or job is, in its very frame of reference on earth, participation in God's own care for human beings. Luther reminds us that God works through the hands of people. He milks cows through the work of farmers. And regardless of whether we work as kings, probably not many in the room, or as a lad in less paid jobs, less um, honour, we all engage in God's work in creation. So this week as you work, God works through your work in the world. So this week as you teach, God teaches young people about how to live in the world and how to understand it. As you change nappies and care for a child in the midst of a tantrum, God cares for that child and helps them grow and flourish. As you enter numbers into an Excel spreadsheet, God organises and runs businesses that provides um, resources to people and produce. And as you play music or paint, God provides beautiful things that encourage people to enjoy the world that God has created.
and that makes all our work, and I may have missed your category, so insert here, that makes all our work and contributions valuable because through our work, God cares for his people and for the world. And God delights in your work, in the contribution that you make each week because through it, he sustains and cares for the world he has made. Work is created for our good. Now, at the risk of spoiling next week's sermon on Genesis 3 and the fall, our work is also broken and impacted by sin. It's often hard. It's sometimes a drudge. It's often difficult. It's tiring and sometimes draining. We often face unemployment and times when we can't work. But it has value to God and it's crucial to the stewardship of his creation. So what am I made for? What are you made for? To live in relationship with God, dependent and trusting on him in all things. And you are also created to have a purpose, to work in the world, to contribute and to care for God's creation. And that's what alignment looks like, living to the purposes of God, to bring glory to the creator as created beings. Let me pray. Lord God, creator of all things, we praise you for your incredible and abundant creation with all the different types of trees and plants, for all the animals, birds, fish in the sea. We thank you that you created us, human beings, man and woman, in your image. Help us to live as dependent people, knowing that all good things come from you. Give us trust, faith and obedience. Thank you for the work that you have made for us and for the opportunities we have to contribute to our families, our workplaces, our communities. Help us to live for you and to bring you glory in all things. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.